Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Film Yak, our weekly podcast for movie discussions. My name is John. I'm Kevin. <laughs> Jonathan. And uh, this week we're gathered to talk about Master and Commander, Far Side of the World. The Far Side of the World, directed by Peter Weir. This is my pick. Uh Starring Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany and other British actors. And, uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to be discussing, as well as a little bit of news, tiny bit, and other stuff we watched. How's everything going? Going good. Pretty good. All right, let's move on. Uh, (laughs) Just kidding. Um, Well, did you guys check out the uh, trailer I posted on the blog? Yeah. Um, Passover? Passover? Yeah. No. No, I meant to text you about it. Uh, the new Spike Lee film, no, which is a staged drama that's being filmed, mm. and they film the audience reactions, which I think is kind of interesting. But uh, I don't know what. what you, how do you feel about it, Kevin? I thought it was interesting. Um, I was wondering, like, if this was like him directing it on, for the stage and just happened to have cameras there, or if this was a you know like film film. I think it's uh feels like feels to me from the trailer like he's trying to do something slightly original in that he's shooting a stage drama uh and but he's also like I say he's filming the audience as it happens to kind of like get the emotional to kind of show the audience what they should be feeling almost right you know which is kind of interesting could could yeah. backfire horribly but uh you know yeah. <laughs> but it's a story uh the stage play is a story about like a couple of black guys hanging out in the corner who are subject to a uh probably racist police officer who's gonna you know humiliate them and over uh, lord over them kind of yeah so uh, i don't know it's kind of very topical yeah uh, now, typical Spike Lee just turning the screws. That's him to a T. Controversy. Yeah. Loves it. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Spike Lee joint, calling it a joint again. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Got away from that a little bit huh. when he thought he was going to win Oscars. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Yeah, he'll get the lifetime achievement at some point, probably. Absolutely. Um, also, the, the other news item would be the uh, Kevin's lovely post about <laughs> Stranger Than Paradise yes. yeah. being released in 3D. Yeah, I mean... Which which I, I'm pretty sure is an April Fool's joke perpetrated by Criterion. But uh, what do you think, Kevin? I am going all in. I believe that Dramush literally did duct tape two Bolex cameras together. And just didn't have the technology to make it work in the 80s, especially on the budget. So this was his plan all along was to re-release in 3D. Naturally. Or to release in 3D. Naturally. I mean, doesn't it sound like a very Jarmish thing to do? I mean, weren't 3D movies around way before this anyway? Yeah, like in the 50s. 50s yeah. yeah. But again, this is not a real thing, I don't think. It's not going <laughs> to happen. So, uh, you know. But it's kind of an interesting... I mean, honestly, I think it'd be totally fucking stupid if they did it. Well, but yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's yeah. just like every shot in the movie is completely static. <laughs> it's like, what yeah. is the point of having 3D? But, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, is there anything... Are there any other news items? Because I, I thought I had thought uh, of one earlier, but then I was like, I don't know what, what else to talk about news-wise. I think it's a pretty slow week. Yeah. I've been trying to find uh, trailers to... Um, 
to put on the blog, but seems like a lot of them either don't have trailers yet or um like there's uh the new Shane Carruth movie that's uh supposed to have like Keanu Reeves and Anne Hathaway and Daniel Radcliffe, but it's only in pre-production as per IMDb. Mm. But I am excited about that. Absolutely. A lot of exciting movies coming out. Yes. No real trailers to speak of. I guess there was the uh, Terry Gilliam, Don Quixote thing that was released. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering about that, too. What was that? Uh, like, somebody was suing the production One of the financiers or? or something is suing them, and this might not ever get released. But I don't. I, honestly, I watched the trailer. I, I don't know how excited I am to see it anyway. Yeah. <laughs> it looks I mean, kind of lame. That was the last thing he did. Uh, fuck if I even know. The one that actually came out, you mean? Yeah. Uh, Zero Theorem. Oh, yeah, Zero Theorem. Which, nah. I have it. I haven't watched it yet. It was just like, okay, man, I get it. You just want to make Brazil again until you're dead. Which is fine. Make Brazil. Let's do it. (laughs) But this Zero Theorem was not Brazil. (laughs) Well, you know, at least he's trying. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, uh, you know. Fuck it. Let's move on to what we watched. All right. Who wants to start this week? Jonathan's got one movie to talk about. Mm-hmm. Kevin, how many you got? Uh, let me see. I've got five things to talk about. One of them is a TV show, though. Let's see. I have three to talk about, but I can also talk about the Jinx. Okay, talk about the Jinx. Let's go ahead and get finish that. it. Holy, get that yeah, I, I ended up like... I started it Sunday afternoon, and I just went the whole way through, just marathoned it. Couldn't stop. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like, I just just from the guy's eyes, the very first time you see him, it's like, this guy's a fucking killer, man. <laughs> like, his eyes are just, like, soulless and, like, black holes, and it's just, like... Yeah, uh, he was—he's fucking creepy, and you he's, know he's definitely a weirdo. Yeah, and all the, all the, yeah, <laughs> like his excuses for things and and all that kind of stuff. And like I was reading more about him, and like apparently when he was ten, like a psychiatrist said that he was, um, probably schizophrenic, and then like when he actually went to trial for the Morris murder, um. His defense team like had a psychiatrist come in and was like, "Hey guys, uh, this he's clearly Asperger's." So, like, I don't know why they didn't bring that up in the documentary, um, but you can tell me. You can definitely tell he has no emotion at all. Yeah, yeah, and and it's funny too. Like you know, very much this kind of you know, rich New England family with, you know, trying to, like, bury their problems and those problems don't go away. Like, uh, uh, I am kind of interested to see this uh, Chappaquiddick movie about Ted Kennedy. Um, just just knowing the little bit that I know about the Kennedy family and, um, uh, like, Robert and John F.'s sister... I can't remember her name right now, but she had like uh, some mental disabilities and good old Joe Kennedy who made all his money from bootlegging and then try and then tries to come off as, you know, Mr. Legitimate Businessman. 
uh, he actually had he had doctors give her uh, the uh, frontal lobotomy. Jeez. Yeah. So. Sounds like a great guy. For sure. Yeah. But yeah, Robert Durst. Uh, I'm glad <laughs> glad he's not getting out anytime soon. Because uh, he got arrested in New Orleans. And from what I read, like, apparently, like, him just having, like, with Louisiana's gun laws, apparently him just having, like, the one or two guns he had in his hotel room, like, that alone could put him away for life. Damn. So, also but, you know, the, he... Also, the woman he shot in the back of the head, that would probably do it, too. Yeah, and the fact that he's, you know, <laughs> confessed on tape. Spoilers. They say that uh, that's not admissible, though. Yeah, yeah, they... So, really? Yeah, I don't know why, but... It's not. Yeah. And we, the burping. And the burping. Yeah. <laughs> and the burping. <laughs> I killed them all. And the burping. <laughs> like, it's like, what the, you are insane. Yeah. Well, it's funny, too, because, like, I think, like, like about midway through the documentary, like, uh, the guy, Jarecki, he's like, hey, man, uh, why don't we take a break for, like, five, ten minutes? Yeah, sure. And then, like, he starts mumbling to himself, and they come up to him, like, hey, we just, we could hear everything yeah. you just said. <laughs> and then, like, you know, I guess, like, what, a couple of months later, when they, like, uh, they confront him with the, the handwriting on the envelope and the letter. And then, like, you know, he, like, goes, goes to the bathroom. Extreme still spoiler. Got the mic on. Extreme spoiler. <laughs> Yeah, like if you have not seen this, stop spoiler. listening. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Spoiler Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Cannibal in, spoiler Holocaust. The entire point of the show is this moment that Kevin's about to spoil. So. Right. Oh no, yeah. y'all, you can you can watch it. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. Well, uh, what would you uh, if you were allowed to rate television, which I strictly forbid? Uh, what would you rate this thing out of five? Uh, probably five because. Uh yeah, it's it's intense and killer. Yeah, like this is the kind of story like you can't really make up. <laughs> Have either of you seen the movie that? Uh, yes, all good things. Yeah, all good things. It's uh, not very good. It's not good. I haven't seen it. It's kind of boring. Yeah. It stars uh, Ryan Gosling as young Robert Durst, right? And, and Kirsten Dunst as his wife. Yeah. Um, it's also directed by Andrew Jarecki. Yeah, yeah. He yeah. talks about it in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Well, I I watched uh, City of Industry, directed by uh, John Irvin, who I have not seen any of his other films. I don't think he did um, Next of Kin with mm-hmm. uh, Liam Neeson and uh, Patrick Swayze in the eighties. Hmm. Like um, they're like rednecks and they kill the mob mafia. I don't know. I didn't see it, but uh, Ben Stiller <laughs> plays an FBI agent. Uh, <laughs> um. This movie is about Harvey Keitel, who's a retired thief. Actually, it says that on the back of the case, but I don't really think it talks about him being retired in the movie. He's just like an old guy who's a thief, you know? Right. And uh, he, his brother calls him, who's Timothy Hutton, and uh, he says, you know, let's do this diamond heist. So they, they put this plan together to rob this jewelry store in Los Angeles, and they get Stephen Dorff to be their driver, and Stephen Dorff's like... You know, like he's really young. It's like 1997, so he's like in his 20s, you know. Mm. And he's um, he's like super hothead crazy guy, you know. <laughs> and uh, after they do the heist, Stephen Dorff kills everybody. He like shoots Timothy Hutton and he shoots the other guy and he tries to kill Harvey Keitel, but Harvey Keitel gets away. Mm. And he steals all the jewels and mm. the money and everything. 
And uh, the movie's like about Harvey Keitel trying to find him and get his revenge, get right. the money back. And uh, it's it's way better than it should be. Like it's really good. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it should be like kind of a throwaway like genre movie, but it's just it's really like. Uh, emotionless i guess you could say there's nothing there's no like character development at all there's nothing about like who harvey Keitel is as a person he's just like a machine that just is like hell-bent on killing Stephen dorf <laughs> wow so much so that like i'm just gonna i'm sorry i'm gonna have to spoil this but it's too good not to tell talk about he at the end he like he finds Stephen dorf he, sh- he shoots him i think he shoots him in like in the shoulder or something Stephen, no he doesn't shoot i'm sorry he hits him over the head with his gun. Uh-huh. Steven Dorff falls on the ground, and he's, like, stunned, you know? And he's got the gun. You know, he could just, like, unload in his face, right? But that would be too good for Steven Dorff. So he puts the gun in his belt. He straddles Steven Dorff, and then he just, like, pummels his face with his fist, like, four or five times, and there's just blood everywhere. And then he grabs him by both sides of the hair, and he just hits his head into the concrete until he's dead. It's so fucked. It's so brutal. And it's just like Harvey Keitel is so good. He's so good at playing like exhausted. Just like, I'm so tired of this shit. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just get it over with. I'm going to go ahead and kill you and leave and go, you know, live right off into the sunset kind of thing. And um, he's essentially playing Mr. White from Reservoir Dogs, except Uh. he talks a lot less. Hmm. But yeah, man, it's just really, it's super solid. Apparently it was going to be produced by Michael Mann. At one point, I don't know why he fell out as producer, but like it makes a lot of sense because it feels very it sounds like it. procedural uh, like that. Yeah. Like the way that they do things, the way that they rob the place, and the way that like he's, you know, the way he does, the way Harvey Keitel behaves in the movie is just like you know how James Caan would behave in mm. in a thief, or and more like how De Niro behaves in in Heat. Mm. Like he's very like professional thief. Like I do this for a living. I've been through a lot of shit. And just like little touches, like he like he was waiting to get inside this building, and uh, he just stood out. He was showed him just standing outside the door, and these two people left, and the door opened. And he just like reached over and grabbed the door real quick and walked in. And it's just like that's such like a simple nothing thing. Like yeah, you know, you would probably do that if you were trying to get into a building. Yeah, but it just feels I don't know. It's just like shit they don't show usually in a movie. It's just it'd be so much more complicated than any other movie. It'd be like he you know has to bribe someone to get in or he like finds a he gets a credit card and you know picks the lock or whatever you know this one's just like yeah just wait for somebody to come out then i'll go in no big deal but uh yeah pretty pretty super solid uh highly recommended nice to give it if you're like if you like crime movies i give it a four could have been a 4.5 almost i mean it's really it's it's very good Uh. and timothy hutton this guy I don't know what it is. I got a thing for this guy, man. Every time I see his face, I'm just like, he's so, I just like him. I just, I think I find his, like his persona to be likable, even though he's like yeah. playing a hardened criminal in this one. He's still great. He's just great. Yeah. You don't see him in enough. He's not in much of anything. I mean, he's yeah. in, he's in like, he'll be in like, uh, you know, some big blockbuster as like a, you know, mayor or something or like a side character and yeah, he'll be in yeah. the movie for three minutes, but in the 80s and the 90s, he was doing, you know, bigger stuff. Mm-hmm. And he was in uh, that movie Playing God, which I've been meaning to rewatch ever since I watched this. Yeah. David Duchovny, have you seen this movie? No. Mm-hmm. no. It's um, from the late 90s. And David Duchovny is like a surgeon who is like a drug addict. So he gets uh, decertified or whatever. Like they kick him out. Uh. And 
Timothy Hutton's a crime lord who hires him to be his, like, you know, sew up my men after they get shot kind of thing. Right, yeah. And Angelina Jolie is in it. She's, like, 19. Huh. I don't know. I remember liking it. I saw it a long time ago. But yeah. anyway. I don't remember that at all. Really? the tra- I remember the trailer, like, vividly. Because mm-hmm. it's got this scene where John Hawks, uh, he, he plays, like, this, like, skeezy, you know, cr- criminal. Uh, he's got this, there's this dead body on the floor. And David Duchovny's like, he's dead. And John Hawks points a gun at him. He says, fix him. And he says, I'll see what I can do. <laughs> so it's like the, you know, this kind of jokey moment. Yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Fun. It's cool. it's good. Yeah. Sounds like a blast. Indeed. I mean, I'll just go ahead and blast through this other one, too. This is another crime movie. Um, possibly inspired. I don't really know why I watched this, but rewatched We Own the Night, uh, mm. directed by James Gray. Uh, who most recently did Lost City of Z and, um, you know, one of one of the great unsung directors. Uh, people don't talk about him enough, but he's great. And uh, We Own the Night, I haven't seen Two Lovers, which is the only, it's the only one of his films I haven't seen. I do own it. I haven't watched it yet. Uh, but I think We Own the Night, safe to say, is his masterpiece, or as close to a masterpiece as he's gotten. Um, it's about Joaquin Phoenix and uh he was a nightclub owner in the 80s in brooklyn and the club is owned by some like eastern european big like old man he's like really meek and stuff but he's got a lot of money he bought this club and he lets joaquin phoenix run it joaquin phoenix's brother is mark Wahlberg, who's a cop and his father is robert duvall who's the chief of cops and uh yeah it's about how joaquin gets involved with them trying to bring down the Russian mafia. That's not even the Russians. Who is it? It's like Crimean or something. I don't know. It's like some kind of like Eastern European uh, organized crime. And they're supposed to, uh, they want him to help them. He doesn't want to help them. Cause he like, you know, he's enjoying a situation as he's like a club owner. He gets to do Coke all the time and like bang yeah. Eva Mendez. And you know, <laughs> yeah. so he's really enjoying his life, obviously, you know, with, with, uh, you know, unquestionably, but, uh, he gets mixed up in some stuff and there's, uh, so a lot of shit hits the fan. It's just a really great crime movie. Really well shot. Really well acted. Very, very violent at parts. Mm. Grossly violent. <laughs> um, there's one scene in particular where there's like this raid on a drug drug den. Uh-huh. And it's so suspenseful and like extremely gory. <laughs> I don't even... <laughs> I mean, oh, it's just... It's really good. The movie's really good. Uh-huh. And... uh Joaquin Phoenix has a a really huge arc in the movie. It might be like the biggest one I've ever seen in the movie. Like he goes from one being one person at the beginning to like a completely different human being by the end of it. And uh, yeah, it's just really solid. And I I was going to say about James Gray, he's like one of the, he's this director who's great. He's done a lot of great stuff, but I don't feel like, like this movie is very amazing, but it's still got like issues. And I feel like he hasn't made like he's every movie he's made is like consistently good in my opinion, but he hasn't made like this you know like the great film of his career yet. I don't oh. think, which is fun because you know could always be the next one. Yeah. What did you give this? Four and a half. Damn. Very very good. I liked it better than Little Odessa, which is his first film, and that's saying a lot because I have a lot of history with that movie. Oh. So yeah, um, he's terrific. The movie's terrific. If you haven't seen it, check it out. We own the night. Cool. 
I saw that once a long time ago. And the only thing I really remember is the first time you see Ava Mendez in the movie mm-hmm. when she's lying on the that couch. Nipple? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you get to see her nipple for like 6.6 seconds. Yeah. He just whips it out and then he's like, he's like sucking on it. <laughs> <laughs> her areola is huge. It's like this big, it's like seven inches. <laughs> Are you serious? Yeah, it's That's really, horrible. really huge. <laughs> she's been naked in other stuff, though. She was in uh, Training Day and she was naked, but she uh. was out of focus when she was naked in that movie. Yeah. Uh. My uh, wife hates her guts for some reason. Huh. Like, every time we watch something with her, she's like, oh, I fucking hate Eva Mendes. <laughs> like, I, don't, I don't know why. She's fine. You know, whatever. She's yeah. not a great actress or anything, but she's not bad. Right. I, yeah. I haven't seen it. This is my first time seeing it since the theater. So. Yeah. But, anyway. Jeez. So, I watched Ace in the Hole with Kirk Douglas, uh, directed by Billy Wilder. The first Billy Wilder movie that I've seen. Really? Yeah. Um, Fun. Yeah. (laughs) So Kirk Douglas plays this newspaper man from New York who's been like fired from like every newspaper that he's been at. And so he ends up in Albuquerque and like, you know, he's looking for like the next big break that'll make him like a known name in journalism and a known name norm in journalism. I'm sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) A big name. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but he's in Albuquerque and there's like literally nothing going on for like a year solid. And so one day uh, his editor tells him you're going to go out and look at this like rattlesnake f- hunt festival thing. And on the way there, they find out that this guy has been um, trapped in a mine that has collapsed and he's stuck down there and Kirk Douglas sees his way to a big news story. So he's like, he gets all these people involved, but he, you know, not getting them there soon enough. He's like, you know, really, yeah, he's really trying to like work the crowds and like make this the, you know, make it a real story with a beginning, a middle, and a triumphant ending. And then it all starts starts to go out of his control. Like, it starts off, there's, like, you know, just a couple of people around the mine, but then it gets to, like, fucking Woodstock levels. There's, like, you know, a, just a sea of cars, and, like, carnivals are showing up, and, <laughs> and you know, Kirk Douglas starts to realize that it's getting out of his control, and, uh... This is a really good movie. Like Kirk Douglas, uh, having just watched uh, Paths of Glory, like he was—he's like one of the few actors from like that time, like you know, like forties and fifties, who I feel like actually becomes, you know, a very different character each time, as opposed to, you know, Cary Grant, Jimmy Stewart, who are just Cary Grant or Jimmy Stewart. Like, I mean, Kirk Douglas is still. He's still Kirk Douglas, but like there's enough of a difference to where you can say, okay, this guy's legitimately acting. And yeah, it's uh like it gets it gets pretty harrowing at parts and yeah, it's very good. Rating? I give it 4. What's next on your Billy Wilder kick? I'm going to have to look uh look it up. Sunset Boulevard. Oh, right. Has to yeah. be done. Yeah, yeah. It's the only one I've seen actually. It's really good though. Yeah, and coming from you, that means a lot because you don't you don't watch a lot of classic movies. I don't I actually saw uh, Sunset Boulevard when I was like nineteen, though. Oh, okay. And uh, 
really enjoyed it. Cool. But for some reason, it didn't didn't take me down like a path of classics or anything. I right. Just, just uh, yeah, don't yeah. have the time. Yeah. Um, Jonathan, you want to talk about picnic at Hanging Rock? Isn't Hanging that- Rock picnic, yeah. Hanging, hanging a picnic rock, as Kevin likes to call it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this is uh, directed by Peter Weir. It's his first film uh, from 1975. Oh, this is a debut, right? Really? As far as I know, oh, is wow. this not his first film? Oh, I don't know. I just I didn't think it was. We're on a movie podcast, so we should probably know these things. Uh, it well, stars uh, for. stars a bunch of people I've never heard of, and ja- <laughs> and Jackie Weaver. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> who I really thought at first was the main girl who vanishes yeah but then it turns out she's the maid so um jonathan has yet to rate this movie so i'm gonna let him start off the conversation what'd you think of picnic picnic at hanging rock have you seen this kevin before okay no jonathan this is like uh that's like australian twin peaks (laughs) i was getting a lot of lynch vibes from this Uh, super lynchy um okay yeah, I'm totally wrong about it being his first movie. I don't know why I thought that. He apparently did a movie called Holmesdale, which is also on the Criterion uh, oh, set. Really? Oh, it's only 50 minutes long, though. That doesn't count. And then he did a movie called The Cars That Ate Paris, which is an hour and a half. So that would be his first film, I guess. Okay. Holmesdale is on the, uh, yeah, it's on. It's like it's supposed to be a comedy. It's on the special features of the Criterion Blu-ray release. But, uh, yeah, like, like Lynch, I agree. I got some Lynch vibes from it for sure. I mean, yeah, it's it's so much like Twin Peaks, like girl girls disappear, and well, you know, in Twin Peaks, it's, it's girl, uh, but uh, and it just shows the effects on the town, and that's pretty much the the plot. Um, and there's some weird shit with the mountain, <laughs> <laughs> and like, oh man, the sound, like the sound design and sound effects are really great. A lot of very uh, creepy, yeah, very. I didn't know just where like it was ominous going. Ominous drones coming from the mountain. They just like show the mountain and just like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, and it's they, very, like the girls wow. just like lay on the ground like. yeah and they just like they, they <laughs> th- that's the lynch most lynch thing about it that i can think of is just like the surrealism of the girls actions having no like motivation they just start doing things that aren't motivated by anything yeah like the fact the fact that they just keep like wanting to wander around this mountain they they lay down and take a nap randomly it reminded me a lot of uh the exterminating angel too the boonwell film because it's like in that movie those characters are staying staying in a room and if it's like they're forcing themselves to stay in this room or some outside force is forcing them to stay in this room and they don't understand why but they don't really question it at all either they're just mm. kind of like well we're here you know and uh this is a lot uh, similar to that i think and that's you know this just seems to be like a staple of surrealist cinema it's just creepy as fuck too <laughs> yeah the the movie was just weird like extra weird um I'm trying to think of an earlier example of this level of weird, and I, I don't like a Maya Duren film or something. yeah. Well, yeah, that, something that's, that's not that's like something over the that's edge. not this avant-garde. is like yeah, yeah yeah. This is definitely yeah. This is definitely like straddling a line. I mean, it's a pretty normal movie otherwise. I yeah. mean, like aside from the like even if you heard a synopsis of the story, like these three girls disappear and it's about how it affects the town. Like that doesn't sound like it'd be that weird of a movie necessarily, but it's very tr- it's treated very strangely. Yeah, mm-hmm. in a good way. When they introduced the male characters, the two boys, mm-hmm. I was really like, I was like, this isn't going to be good. Like, this is this is going to be <laughs> lame. And it really seemed like 
the one guy with the tattoos, I was like, oh, obviously he's going to be put forth as like he killed them or yeah. something. But they never even go there with it. It's like it's totally. It's just like they're just two guys who saw them, and then they're affected because they go up looking for them, and the mountain fucks with them too. It's like the mountain is like this, uh, you know, malevolent force that's swallowing up people and fucking with their heads. And like the the part where the kid goes up, the, the kid goes up there by himself. And he goes towards the cave, and he just starts crawling yeah. on the ground towards the cave, and he can't get in. Like, that's that's fucked up. And that was the part where I was like, this is getting really fucking weird. And then when the guy comes up, and there's, like, that music cue where it – and then, it like, the camera just sl- slides over, and it shows yeah. that kid, like, in the fetal position, like, freaking out. Like, that – I get chills when that happened. I was like, good. good God, that is freaky as fuck. Um, I think I read the uh... – Roger Ebert uh, review of this or like a a quote from it. And he said uh, something to the effect of like the movie, especially for Australia, it shows like, you know, the, the, like the English settlers or whatever aren't like supposed to be there. It's like the, you know, it's like a hostile environment and Mm. the indigenous people Mm. and nobody, nothing wants them there. That's interesting. So it's like, because they do talk about uh, this mystical mountain is like, right wants them to leave <laughs> they do talk about the um like they warn the girls about snakes and stuff too yeah they're like you know there's gonna be poisonous snakes and insects and stuff just watch your step and it's like and there's a lot of like hints towards europe like you have the the french uh girl who's like from europe or whatever and they mentioned botticelli like three times and the one of the boys had like the, the guy with the tats he's got like the Venus on his sweet tat. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a Venus on his arm and she mentions that earlier. She's like looking at the Venus and she's like, Oh, she's so beautiful. She's like a Botticelli angel or whatever. She like, says like, that the girl okay. is like a Botticelli. Yeah. 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 I'm like, I don't know a lot of European stuff. So it's like, I don't know. And then, yeah, you have the, the snakes and whatnot hints towards hostile environments. I don't know. And of course, uh, starring Lena Dunham as Edith. Right? <laughs> yeah. Isn't she just like Hannah Horvath on Girls? Like, she's exactly like her. Like, I can't believe... If, if, if Linda Dunham has not seen this movie, she needs to watch it, and then she'll have, like, a t-shirt with Edith on the, like, next, the next week, I guarantee. It's it's so her, it hurts. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I thought it was really super solid. Like, way better. Kind of better than I thought it was going to be, honestly. Even though John Same Ryan here. John Ryan gave this a rare 5 out of 5. Really? Wow. So oh, wow. I guess I should have been expecting it to be pretty good, but I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't quite know what to expect. I remember hearing about this movie and seeing the cover and thinking like, that looks like so fucking boring. I, like, I thought it was going to be some kind of, you know, like a drama about yeah. like English girls in the countryside. <laughs> you know, uh, like then it, it turns out to be heavenly creatures. Yeah. It turns out to be very, uh, definitely uh, way darker and stranger. Yeah. Than it's very strange. Um, yeah. It's really good though. Well, I gave it a four and a half. I just don't know what to give it. Um, I'd probably give like four, maybe four and a half. But uh, I I need to watch it again to really word figure that out. Yeah, Kevin. Know. Uh, so I finally saw Lady Bird, and nice another five out of five. <laughs> the masterpiece, totally. Greta Gerwig's masterpiece, apparently. First one out of the gate, already a masterpiece. Yeah. Got her on the cover of Time magazine. Oscar-nominated director. Yeah. I don't get it. <laughs> I just genuinely do not get it. Maybe it's because I'm not a daughter. Maybe it's because I'm not a mother. 
I think Jordan gave it like a four and a half or a five. So yeah, <laughs> I don't know well, how much that has to do with it. <laughs> uh, I don't. I don't know. A lot of guys like it too. I'm sure. Yeah, like my my brother liked it a lot. I I don't know. It's like to me, it's just it's just your run of the mill coming of age movie about a quirky teen. And like my biggest problem with it is that like none of the stuff like especially a lot of the stuff between Lady Bird and her mother like it doesn't it doesn't feel well enough explained. And it's like, yes, I get that she's a teenager and that teenagers are impulsive and et cetera, et cetera. And like, there's the whole thing of her, like, you know, I want to go out, I want to go out East where, you know, writers live in the woods and, you know, it's a very teenager thing to say, but yeah, I I probably said that at some point. Yeah. But like, (laughs) it's like, well, it was like, just to be, I mean, like I typed my stuff on typewriter again today, so. My nice. notes. <laughs> Were you an extra in later? Group? I might have been. <laughs> <laughs> this movie strikes me as something that I haven't seen this, and I, I probably never will. But uh, yeah. it seems like it's it should have been made in like 2002 or 2003. It's set in 2003. Is it really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's based. It just seems on like Garden State Gerwig's or something like that. Or... It seems like yeah, one of those yeah. movies. See, that's that's the biggest. Is that thing. is that unfair? No, that's that's actually pretty spot on. Like, you know. It's it's a little. I I, I will just real quick before you say, <laughs> I, I'll say it's it's. You not, like Garden State? <laughs> no, I did. I liked it a lot when it came out, but I'm not, I can't look at it now. But uh, <laughs> I would say it's a lot less deli- deliberately quirky than Garden State is. Really? There's no character in this movie who collects Desert Storm trading cards. Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's no character in this movie who's like wears a cloth helmet and listens to the shins on her oversized headphones while at the vet. There's n- that's where then, my hatred then, for Natalie Portman comes. Yeah, from. and then buries, uh, right. buries I, her I, pets I in the now. yard or whatever. It's just like there's nothing like that in this movie. It's like yeah, this yeah. movie is definitely more. There are parts in this movie that are ridiculous like that, but there are more. But there's more moments where it definitely feels like it's set in a reality. Yeah. Unlike Garden State, Garden State is not set in any kind of yeah, reality. It, yeah. No. No. But 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 that makes sense because Garden State is not real, and this movie is apparently based large in large part on Greta Gerwig's own teenage years. So oh okay yeah, I don't know. Like it, it for me, it, like it definitely does not live up to the hype. Like uh, like I said before, like they put Greta Gerwig on the cover of Time magazine talking about like you know women in power, and I'm like, this is a mediocre movie, and like. And I would I would say that it's a mediocre movie if a man made it. So I don't see I don't see how she's doing anything that's special here, or you know, worthy of exceptional praise. I mean, I look looking at like the majority of the movies that are coming out these days. Like every now and then, like you have some like really fantastic stuff, but a lot of it is just kind of dreck. So I can kind of see where they're coming from in a certain way, but like yeah, I wouldn't say I, this is Drek, right? I mean, would you say this is Drek? Kind of. I wouldn't say this is Drek. I'd say this is like a cut above, like you know, the average trash that comes out. For me, like yeah, I would rather I, rewatch I, Lady Bird than go and see a Marvel movie. I know that's different for you, but yeah. I mean, like, I, I, it's just like. <laughs> At least it, you know, it's some. At least it's relatable somehow. But Does it help that it's like based on reality? I mean, that, that, I think it's that, better. It, you, I would prefer. I prefer this to Garden State. So I would yeah. say it's like uh, I'd rather watch the. Although Garden State is probably funnier because Greta Gerwig is a great. I mean, she's 
she's a great actress. She's I really love good. her. I love her. Um, acting. So I, I would I would assume that watching this go like okay this is like her personal story for the most part I would I would assume. So does yeah. that help it at all? I mean, I would say the big its biggest fault is that it doesn't Greta Gerwig's not in it, mm. and that she's replaced by Saoirse Ronan who is like. Yeah, I don't mind Saoirse Ronan, but she's not Greta Gerwig. You know, she doesn't have the personality. Like she yeah. doesn't, she yeah. doesn't exude the charisma that Greta Gerwig has seemingly naturally. I don't in think my Greta eyes. Gerwig could pull off a sixteen-year-old. No, no, nor should <laughs> no. she. She <laughs> but, should have uh, cast somebody. I'm just saying, like maybe she shouldn't tell this story. Maybe she should tell the story of like when this movie ends. Correct me if I'm wrong. Isn't she like in a different? Doesn't she like move east or something? At the yeah, end of the she movie? actually goes out to New York. Right. And, like her, that and, should be the movie. I want to see the movie about her moving to New York and becoming an actress. Like that would be fun. Yeah, that'd be more interesting to me. Yeah, and like her mom, like like once she finds out that she's accepted, like you know, she stonewalls her through the entire uh, last couple of minutes of the movie, and like they don't speak again. Uh, even you know, by the time the credits have rolled, like I thought that was just way too much. Like. Okay, like I get it. Your mom's upset that you know you're that you're moving away, but like, that's you know like their whole relationship was just <sighs> it was like so it was so at odds. I was like this like in the first five minutes of the movie, Lady Bird jumps out of a moving car, and that's how she breaks her arm, and like again. I know teenagers are impulsive. They do impulsive things, but jumping out of a moving car after an argument with your mother and, you know, like her mother, like constantly like questioning her and like making, making her feel bad. It's like, and then like, you know, somehow you're supposed to empathize with Lori Metcalf too. And, and like, you know, you've got two like really strong willed women. And then the dad is like, basically a throwaway character and like the whole the whole like uh, uh stereotypical thing with uh ladybird like she's sort of artsy but like john like you said the last time we talked about this like there's no like there's no real reference point for her being artsy aside from the fact that she just randomly joins the musical theater because the nun says hey you might want to try this and yeah, she's not a, she's not an artistic character at all. It's just like yeah. it's 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 clear. But I mean, I don't I don't know that I have that big of a problem with that. It's just that she's because I because I could take I could take that as like she's confused. She doesn't know what she's supposed to do. She doesn't uh. know who she's supposed to be. Maybe I should be artistic. Maybe I should be an actress. Maybe I should be a writer. Yeah, you know. And it's like a lot of teenagers go through that shit, and that's okay. But I mean the stuff that it leads to just isn't terribly interesting. Like her joining yeah. the, the, the theater company is not very interesting. And like the, and I think that they thought it was hysterical when the coach replaced the uh, theater director and he made it into like a sports thing. And it's just like, that's yeah. just not, wasn't that funny. It's just like kind of no. like lame and she doesn't get a job. <laughs> Yeah, and like like yeah. Ghost World, like turning yeah. the, like you know like another. That's movie. what I like about Ghost World. It's like it's yeah, it's, it's a movie that does this way better. Yeah, like the yeah, whole yeah. confused adolescence thing. Yeah. We just had a got out of high school. They're we don't know talentless. What to do. They're just, they're yeah. all they want is an apartment. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like they're just like they're normal people. I, I hate I hate like whimsical. That I mean, I like Greta Gorga a lot, but like most of the movies she's in, I hate the white person in New York. 
like I'm an artist, writer, director, you know, like yeah. And they were just just watch me, like like you know, okay, tiptoe through to be New fair, York. I okay, can't but stand that. to be fair, in the movie that you're referencing, obviously, Francis Ha. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I uh, like that movie too. I gave it like a four, but like I'm not I'm, okay. I, I disagree with your 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 uh, portrayal I, I just, of yeah. that film as her tiptoeing through New York. I mean, she's like struggling the entire movie. I guess she's got to move apartments like six different times. She's like Struggling, maxes out all yeah. of her credit no, cards right, to do right, everything. Right. I mean, like she, it's all about how it's, stra- it's, it's she actually is. more. My my comments were more about uh, the people she's around, like the people yeah. like it, just yeah. like Adam Driver, just yeah, just yeah. the worst. So just, people. These people just seem independently wealthy, and they have like yeah. million dollar record collections, and they yeah. live in million dollar. I might release a record later, like yeah. Uh, but I think <laughs> that's what you're supposed to feel when you watch it. You're not supposed to be like, wow, that guy's so cool. Yeah, I think you're supposed to feel like this is this I would is not so, fair. Yeah. Like Greta Gerwig, yeah. his character is you know every bit as you know potentially talented. Or but I also could be like, you know, she's not working hard for anything, and they are. Maybe they're working hard, and she's not working hard. She's being lazy. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. like she wants to do something, but it's not anything where she's going to put in any effort into yeah, doing yeah. it. Yeah, I feel like so much of that stuff is just glossed over in these these kinds of movies where it's like. Okay, like, you know, you're presented with a jerk, but you know, maybe they maybe they have actually worked for it, or you know, you know, like a couple of lines of dialogue, a scene or two here and there could like solve any and all of those problems. Yeah, and like my my last little thing about Lady Bird was the fact that like uh, it goes along with so many like cliches of of a teenage girl. Like she's with this, she's with the straight laced guy pun intended. Cause he's, he turns out to be gay, but Kevin's just on a mission to spoil movies today. <laughs> hey, with no it's Oscar rated. So like by now you should have seen it. That's true. That's um, true. Oscar nominated. But yeah, so like, yeah, so she's with the straight laced guy, but then she's making eyes at Timothy Chalamet cause he's in a band and he's and just a piece of ass. Pretty much. Timmy, cool. Timmy Chalamet. Hot. <laughs> <laughs> is the band yeah. good? But then he. Uh, do they show the band play even? They're. Are they like a punk thing or something? Uh, sort of like pseudo pop punk, like screamo, like, like early not 2000s. not punk enough to be punk, but not talented <laughs> enough to be new wave. <laughs> right. So yeah, just ca- kind of like in the middle there. It's the kid from uh, Call Me by Your Name. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The... Um, but yeah, so like she's already making eyes at him, and then like. She ditches her uncool friends to hang out with the cool girls, and when she That's loses her virginity to, right. to Timothy Chalamet, like it was special for her, but it's not special for him. Yeah, and super cliched. Yeah, like it's you just can the, so especially boring. the whole thing of her getting away from her friend, so telegraphed. Like that, like what movie about teenagers <laughs> does not have this, where your friend yeah. becomes your enemy at some point, and then you reconcile later? It's just such a fucking boring cliche of a thing to have in a movie. <laughs> Especially something that's supposed to be so amazing and so original and so interesting. This Lady Bird movie, it's just delightful. But it's like, <laughs> it's like I mean, it's like a movie. It's like a, a John Hughes movie. I mean, like, who cares? Only not know. as good. Right. Not funny. <laughs> yeah. Not as much character development or character depth. And I love Tracy Letts. I love Laurie Metcalf. I love uh, Greta Gerwig, obviously. I like Timothy Chalamet. Like yeah. I like the kid who plays the gay kid. He's uh, from uh, Manchester by the Sea. He's terrific. Yeah, and he was in um, Moonrise Kingdom, and he was in Grand Budapest Hotel for like two minutes. There you go. So uh, I just don't. But I don't. But, but yeah, just, like he was the standout actor in this for me. Like mm-hmm. you know, seeing him do those other things, and then seeing him 
become a completely different kid. That was that great. was the most interesting part of the movie for me too. Like yeah. the whole his story was more like and how that yeah. uh, affects whatever Ladybird the character. Like that's the most interesting part of the whole movie. And it's I mean it's like a twenty minute portion of a you know hour and forty minute movie. Yeah, so yeah. It's unfortunate, but. Yeah. My biggest thing is just like this was so so overhyped and it just like for me it's like really this is this is the like this is the high bar that people have to get to now. This is what passes for great cinema. I just don't get it. I don't know, time will tell if it'll uh, you know, hold that place in people's hearts in the future. Indeed. I uh I'm sorry. What did you get that rating wise? Two, two. Yeah, I think mm. I went three on it. But damn, it's like it reminds me of um, La La Land in that way too. It's like this very, very <laughs> yeah. uh, extremely like hyped up movie. People like, like, <laughs> yeah. But it's like I, but I didn't hate La La Land either. I just didn't. It just didn't do it for me. Um, I watched The Mosquito Coast, which is also directed by Peter Weir mm. from 1985. Uh, stars uh, Harrison Ford and River Phoenix and Helen Mirren, who's God bless her. She's doing the best she can to hide that English accent, but it's just not working. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really... she cannot do an American accent to save her life. <laughs> um, she can do a Russian one pretty well. Is that right? Yeah, 2010. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie's about. Have you seen this, Kevin? Yeah, I actually watched it again not too long ago because uh, I did you talk se- about it on here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, but it's been like a couple all. of months. Like. Jordan was still on the oh, podcast okay. when we talked when I talked mm. about this. Well, uh, it's about Harrison Ford, who's an inventor, and he moves his family to uh, Belize or somewhere, and uh, tries to create a utopian society because he created this device that makes ice using fire. And uh, sounds like the best story ever. I know, doesn't it? <laughs> it sounds like it. It sounds God, great. But uh, uh, and this is written by Paul Schrader too, so it's just got like, yeah. a lot of shit going for it. Uh, but unfortunately, no. uh, I think that um, <laughs> I really feel like, you know how they talk about uh, like Blood Meridian or other books being unfilmable? Yeah. This feels like that. It feels like this book is probably really good and really? it's just unfilmable. Like, you can't make this into a good movie. What do you think of Harrison Ford in this? Because like, honestly, I didn't really like... I didn't really buy him. I as, think he's as like the inventor. terribly miscast. Yes, like he cannot. Yes. He's trying really hard to be cynical, and he's just he's Harrison Ford. Yeah. He's like yeah. so lovable and charismatic. Yeah, you're supposed to feel like wow, this guy's a real jerk, but he's not a jerk. He's like, it's like he's taking his Han Solo character. Like Han Solo's a jerk, right? But he's not. But he's also like a hero. Yeah. So yeah. you forgive him, and in this, he's like trying to do that times ten. And not be a hero. So just yeah. be like a real jerk. But it's just like, it just doesn't play right. It doesn't mm. feel good. It, like Some of the stuff that he does makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. And like, there's this, okay, there's like this whole section of the movie where after he's built this utopian like village in the jungle. Yeah. Um, these like paramilitary mercenary guys show up and they decide like, there's like three of them and they decide like, we're going to live here now. Like, you're going to take care of us. 
and they want to get rid of them, you know? So they're telling, oh, you should go up, up, up river. There's another town. It's much better. And they're like, no, nah, fuck that shit. We like it here. We're going to stay here. Yeah. You guys got ice. Exactly. So then there's like, <laughs> so he's like, and air conditioning. Cause he makes the ice thing blow cold air into the huts. And Does stuff. it show so, how this works? No, 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 but it goes into it a little bit. It talks about like, there's like an, uh, some kind of chemical reaction or something. And there's like yeah, big tanks, of, the big tanks of ammonia. And so I don't mind that. I kind of like that. It doesn't explain it. Cause obviously it's not yeah, real. Yeah, so yeah. it's like, if any attempt to explain it would fall flat, but Anyway, he gets them to uh, sleep inside of the machine that creates the ice because there's like a little room in there. Mm. And then he convinces River Phoenix, who's his son, who's like, you know, 15, to uh, help him kill them. Because it's like, we got to get rid of these guys and I can't do it by myself. So he helps. So River Phoenix reluctantly helps him to uh, sabotage the machine and and, uh, lock them in. Not not sabotage, but lock them in while they turn on the machine and they're going to freeze to death. And Harrison Ford's like, you know, it'll be very humane. Like, they won't feel a thing. They'll be dead in a few seconds, you know. And uh, he didn't count on the fact that they all have AK-47, so they start shooting through the machine and stuff, and the machine ends up exploding, and they burn to death. Mm. And it's like, that's horrible, right? Like, that's something that River Phoenix is going to have to live with now, the fact that he helped burn these men alive. (laughs) Yeah. But right when when that happens and the thing starts blowing up and burning, immediately it's like... Now the movie is not about River Phoenix's reaction to that anymore. It's about Harrison Ford again and how his baby is blowing up and his utopian village is about to get destroyed. Yeah. And it's like, what about the three people you just helped that you just got your kid to help you kill? Like that's just glossed over. It loses all of its weight and power emotionally because now it's not about that. It's about the fact that the village that they built is getting destroyed. And it's like, what about that guy's burning alive inside of this? <laughs> like, and, yeah. and, the, and more than that, like those guys are, you know, villains essentially. So more than that, River Phoenix having to deal with that. And then it's just glossed like the rest of the movie. He never talks about it again. He, don't, he doesn't deal with it at all. There's no emotional fallout from it. And it just feels like a really wasted opportunity. And I don't know if it's something that's dealt with differently in the book or if Paul Schrader thought it wouldn't work or something, but it's just really, it's just fucking like, it's just so lame. And, the rest of the movie, I don't know. It's like after the village gets destroyed, I really checked out, man. I was like, God, I, I wish it, I yeah. thought they were just going to rebuild the village, but then they just leave. And I'm just like, I don't want to see them leave and go do this again somewhere. And they do. They like spend another 30 minutes building another village elsewhere on the island. And yeah. it's just like, and then they get, that place gets flooded out by the water. So they have to move again. And they live on like their raft that they created for like the yeah. last half hour of the movie. And then out of nowhere, fucking, um, Andre Gregory shoots him at the end, which like makes yeah. like no fucking sense at all. It just feels like such a way like we got to end this somehow. Let's have Andre <laughs> yeah. Gregory shoot him. Andre yeah. Gregory plays this missionary who's in also in the islands, and obviously Harrison Ford, being a man of science, hates God, hates religion. Yeah, but which, he can quote the Bible up and down too. Which I don't mind any of that. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. Those are the best parts of the whole movie. Him, him coming toe to toe with Andre Gregory and yeah, like yeah. telling him about you know god and like quoting the scripture to him to prove to him that god doesn't exist essentially is like that was the best part of the movie yeah. but uh yeah it's like at the end they walking well, uh, not joaquin phoenix uh, river <laughs> phoenix uh is trying to get andre Gregory's daughter who's played by martha plimpton from the goonies yeah and uh he's trying to get her to like help them get away from harrison ford because he's so overbearing and he's gonna end up getting them killed and stuff and yeah andre Gregory like shoots him randomly with a rifle after he lights his church on fire what the fuck is that which is well, also yeah, like which is d- also underplayed it's also underplayed because it's like he gets back on the boat he's got the thing of gasoline and then he's like oh, i must have spilled some gasoline and it's like 
so you're saying it was an accident that you let the church down? It'd be much so much better if you actually tried to burn the church down because you hate Gregory and his mission so much. Yeah, because that would make sense because, like, as soon as they get, you know, like, from the beginning of the movie on, like, Harrison Ford is just on a downward spiral into insanity. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, like, being abusive to his family and all and all this other stuff. And, like, yeah, so it makes perfect sense that he would just burn the place down sure. thinking, you know, like... Well, if I can't do it, then they can't either. Right. And certainly in not in the name of a false god or, you know, right. whatever he might say. It's um, yeah, I agree. And it's just totally undercut by yeah. him, him that line of him, Oh, I must have spilled some gasoline. It's like why why even put that in there? Yeah. Just like this is this is probable cause for his family to say, We're done, we're leaving now. You you've gone too far. Yeah. But instead they it gives him another thing to be confused about. And then he gets shot, and then he dies slowly on the raft. Spoiler, sorry. This movie's not very good. Um, <laughs> yeah. I gave it a two and a half. I mean, there, it's not like it's a total train wreck or anything. It's like it's got its moments where it's sort of enjoyable. And, like, some of the stuff, like the sequences of them building the village I really enjoyed. Yeah. Uh, and, like, anything, like I said, with him and Andre Gregory is really good. But yeah. the rest of it's just kind of boring and a slow. Does the movie's like yeah. potential ever like affect your star rating? Like this movie could have been really good if it would have done this. Sure, this. absolutely. Yeah. So I'm going to give it even lower because yeah, sometimes. fuck you. Not yeah. in, not in this one because okay. I don't think this film could be better. Okay. I don't think there's Probably a way not. I don't think there's a way to make this story interesting really? without like in film form personally. Yeah. But uh yeah. What do you think of River Phoenix? I think he's really good in this. Yeah. I haven't liked him in very much of anything. Like, I don't even think he's very good in, in my own private Idaho. He's okay. Uh-huh. But like, I don't know. I don't really find him to be terribly great in many things. But in this, I think he was probably the best I've right. ever seen him. What about the uh, stand by me? I really didn't stand like stand by, by me very much. Okay. And I, so I, it's hard for me to uh, yeah. recall okay. how good he was. I remember, I remember Kiefer Sutherland a lot more in it. Yeah. And, and yeah. the, Awful, just awful mm, Richard Dreyfus sections yeah. of the movie. Yeah. I hated that movie. The beginning and the end. Like every part of it. Brutal. <laughs> I like the part where the leech was on the guy's dick or whatever. It was uh. pretty cool. <laughs> I'll also, I really dig the part. I mean, probably cliche. It's probably like, you know, the part everybody says they love. But the part where he pulls the gun on Kiefer. Oh, yeah. And he's yeah. like, and Kiefer says, like, you going to shoot everyone, all of us? And he's like, no, just you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, that's pretty good. It's pretty badass. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I think I think Joaquin probably got the, um, you know, the bigger scoop of talent from that gene pool. I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> although I although I will say I don't think Joaquin was super talented until, like I think he's really grown into a good actor. I don't think he was great like in a lot of stuff that he was like. I, and River Phoenix died when he was what, like twenty two or something. Yeah, twenty two. Yeah, really young. Yeah. So yeah, um, I'm saying like when Joaquin was in stuff. Like he's in that movie, that Gus Van Sant movie, to die for, and I don't think he's very good in that. I mean, yeah. He's just when he was young like that, he just mm. he didn't really know what he was doing, and yeah, when he he really comes into his own. When I mean, I another probably cliche to say, but when the master came out, I guess that's probably like the the zenith of his talent. And I mean, I don't, I, you might disagree, but <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't like I don't think he's very good at all actually in Walk the Line. Sad yeah. to say, oh, yeah. he was yeah. nominated, but uh, I don't think he was very good in that. Uh, yeah, like that kind of thing. Like uh, I've, I thought, you know, just in general, like you know, biopics are like you know, it's really hard to gauge that kind of thing. Oh yeah, yeah. he was alright in Gladiator. Yeah, and uh, maybe a little bit out of his depth, but he was, you know, he had some good moments in that. Uh, did you see Quills? Yeah, I saw it a long, long time ago. I don't remember much about it. Okay. Like I like until you just like. 
until I start thinking about it, I don't even remember that he's in it. Right. He's a priest, right? Yeah, yeah. I remember liking that though. I thought I remember thinking um, Jeffrey Rush was really good. Yeah, yeah. But you got something else? I watched Upstream Color, the oh, uh, uh, Shane Carruth's follow-up to Primer, and don't spoil it. I won't. Okay, I won't. Are there spoilers? Like, well, like I know no, everything no, about no. it. You can talk to me about it. You've seen it? No, I've listened to a spoiler review of it. Oh, okay. Son of a uh, many, many, many times actually. Yeah. Are there a lot of spoilers? Is it like hardcore spoilers or? Not really. Okay, uh, you like, can talk about it. well, the, the thing about it, like a lot like Primer, it's like kind of hard to talk about, like. It's not like like I can talk about it, but I don't want to because I want like if yeah. anyone sees it, I want them to have like just a blanket, you know, like you know, totally blank slate going into it. Yeah. Hmm. Um, Where'd you watch it? I got it from the library. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and like even on DVD, it looks amazing. Like if like we were talking the other day, like he probably wouldn't do it, and you know if. You know, there's no 100% guarantee that he would actually do it justice. But, like, if he got a hold of Dune, like, I, like he could probably make Dune for, like, a hundred grand and, like, make it look good. <laughs> yeah, but he'd have to star in it as the kid. Yeah. Or... Atreides. Yeah, or... I don't know. He he might he, he might do... He might be... He got the Atreides look. He could, <laughs> I don't know. He could... Kind of looks like Kyle McLaughlin a little bit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he could be Duke Leto. Uh... You know, he could be the uh, father of Atreides. Yeah, or uh, Doctor. Well, he's Ewing. a little young for that, maybe. But. Maybe you got to yeah. bring uh, William Hurt back for that. Oh yeah, fuck God, yeah. No. The old, no, come on. William Hurt rules. Fuck you. No, fuck you. No, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, that miniseries is goddamn terrible. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know about the miniseries, but I like William Hurt a lot. I'm a big fan of his. Well, if you saw it, you'd probably you'd, yeah. It might change uh, my opinion. Huh? Yeah, but yeah, upstream color like like primer. It's very very interesting and not a lot of stuff is explained. Like pretty much nothing is explained. It just kind of goes, and you follow the characters through what they're what they're dealing with, hmm. and um, like uh, he was working on a movie before this, and there's some uh, like animation like uh, CGI that survived from that movie that he put in upstream color and it looks really good. And like, again, like this movie he made for $50,000 and it's yeah. Like Shane Carruth knows how to work a budget. Um, I mean, he like he wrote, directed, produced, did the score starred in. (laughs) And like, I think probably edited it. Save a lot of money. We don't hire anybody to do anything. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, but yeah, like he, yeah, he makes it work, and like I'm excited to see him do something with a bigger budget and you know and a cast. Um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting. Like he's probably like, um, like now having seen Upstream Color, like as far as like sci-fi directors go, like today he's probably it. I mean, you you know, you can argue back and forth about all time or whatever, but like right now, working, he's probably it. Hmm. Cool. Reading four, but uh, like Primer, I'm sure this will go up on the rewatch because his movies, the two that I've seen so far, feel like they're movies that like you have to like go back and like, you know, there's stuff that you will see on second, third, fourth viewing. That you just can't see in the first one. Yeah. So. 
Yeah. Well, I only have uh, TV left. I watched. Uh, I meant to talk about this last week, but I forgot to type it on my sheet. Um, started watching Barry, the new. Uh, What's that guy's name from uh, <laughs> from Saturday Night Live? Bill Hader show oh. on HBO. Oh, the Hitman thing. Yeah, yeah. Like the right, ner- right. Nervous Hitman or something? Or is he, is he, he, has some kind of, he has some kind of problem or something? Or is he just a Hitman? No, he's just a Hitman. Oh, okay. uh, but he no, no, no that's Bill Hader in real life. He has like panic attacks constantly or something. Oh, does okay. he? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, he has like anxiety. This show is about he, Bill Hader plays a guy whose name I don't remember, but he uh, he's like a hitman who was in the military and he's like kind of switched off. Like he's kind of sociopathic. So he's able to kill people and not feel anything about it. Steven Root is like his handler who uh, uh. sets up the deals for him and tells him who to kill and everything. And uh, he knew his father. So that's how they know each other. And uh, it's directed by Bill Hader or the first episode was, I don't know about the second one. I only watched the only the first two are out, but um, so it's got kind of like a Louis thing going on. Uh-huh. Not, not that it ever, not that it's like, it's, they're definitely not self-contained. Like there's definitely a story running through them. Um, but he gets hired by the, again, some Eastern European, you know, crime organization. Latvian Orthodox? Something like that. And, uh. It's such an easy out for that, you know. It's yeah. a lot of, uh, a lot of like, uh, HBO, you know, act actor stable people uh like the, uh. the guy from uh <laughs> the the killer from true detective plays one of the gangsters uh is shay wiggum in here not yet he will be i'm sure <laughs> yeah he's yeah. not far behind <laughs> yeah if he doesn't show up i'd be very surprised yeah <laughs> uh anyways he goes to la to do this job and it turns out the guy that he's trying to kill is in an acting class and so he goes to the acting class and he's like i want to act and he decides he doesn't want to kill people anymore he wants to be an actor but the you know the mafia doesn't want to let him off the hook. They want him to kill the guy, and he ends up at the end of the first episode. He ends up having to kill some people who are the mafia because uh, they kind of like double cross him. And there's the, the rest. I imagine their whole rest of the show is going to be the fallout of that. But um, yeah, it's it's okay. It's uh, the scene when he kills the guys is really good. Uh, like surprisingly graphic and. Uh, cool <laughs> he just like unloads a whole clip into like three different guys and just annihilates him he's supposed to be like you know john wick level like he's right. super super good at killing mm. people and um but it's bill Hader, so he's also got this like dry humor thing going on he's not really funny like he doesn't do anything funny but just like some of the like his tics and things are supposed to be humorous and the show is pretty broadly comic mm. otherwise like the gangsters are all supposed to be funny in like a very like Silicon Valley kind of way, like they're awkward and they say weird things. And uh. it's supposed to be comical, but some of it's funny, some of it's not that great. But um, yeah, I'd say you know I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna continue with it, I'm gonna stick with it. What network is this on? HBO. Oh, HBO for life. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's that's that. Oh, I continued watching Roseanne, third episode, pretty good. Cool. Uh, been meaning to check it out. It's still it's on funny. Hulu, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Been watching uh, Home Improvement too, eking our way through season one. Just uh, <laughs> we're on like season five. It's it's like it's not good at all. I mean, it's not even good. <laughs> it's just like it's so easy to watch. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, well, I, I say it's easy to watch, except I get pissed off probably like once every three episodes. Something Jill says or does. <laughs> Jill just is very upsetting character. Uh, Tim and, Allen back then. What 
He's pretty funny. There's some funny oh, he's stuff. Funny. There's some funny right. stuff. He's right. the definitely the MVP of the show. And I, very, I, I, never, I never saw his uh, the newer show. What's it called? Last Man Standing. It wasn't that like more like right wing and stuff. Like no, it wasn't that it was right wing. It's that it's essentially the exact same show except he has daughters instead of sons. Oh. Is there uh, that intellectual is, like side to it though? Intellectual? Yeah. Is there an intellectual side to it? Yeah, you have like Wilson and stuff. Oh, because of Wilson? Yeah. I mean, yeah. (laughs) There's no Wilson character in that show as far as I know. The shit that Wilson says is insane, though. It's like (laughs) he's like quoting all kinds of shit constantly. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. uh, Yeah. It's like the gimmick of the show. Yeah. He goes to Wilson every episode and asks his opinion. And then like massacres the guy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty good. But um, no, there's not. uh, The reason you'd say it was right wing is because Tim Allen is right wing. Yeah. And he does a little. He has a little bit of the. he he. Everyone still he, like his character is like a you know like your typical old man, old white man in the Midwest kind of guy. You know, yeah. he's just gonna like he doesn't like hipsters. He doesn't like liberal people. <laughs> it's not that he's gonna be like you know on the show Trump is amazing or you know fuck Obama or anything like that. But he's just gonna. But they do have like a little snide, yeah. That's what, they yeah. like little comments every right, now and then right, about yeah. how the yeah. country's going to shit and like uh, people are on welfare or something uh, like that. You know. <laughs> And he did. Uh, the, well, there was uh, we watched the first maybe two two or three seasons of that show before I was like I can't I can't deal with it anymore because there there's it gets more and more like that. There's more and more little quips like that that just there's like none of that in home. You can't ignore it at all. Uh, well, I doubt. I sincere. I would I would venture to guess that his opinion has changed. Yeah, over that's time. what I was. That's what I was getting at. Yeah, but in the show there was one great moment. I think it's actually in the first episode of that show where he he says uh, his one of his daughters is dating like this like. Uh, you know, like one of these kind of like hipster, like vegan, you know, uh, <laughs> like almost communist, like reads revolutionary literature kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and he, he calls him he calls him cliche Guevara, <laughs> 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 which I thought was pretty good. That's awesome. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Uh, so, I mean, it's got funny moments. You know, Tim Allen is funny. What are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> that reminds me of the, uh, the episode of Seinfeld where... Um, Elaine is dating the communist mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, like, you know, uh, he wears like gray all the time. <laughs> yeah, He wears great. Like, you know, like it's like you, you know, you, you, you look like, like Karl Marx. Like, that's a good thing. And like, well, can't you at least dress like a successful communist? Yeah. And, and like, then when, like at the, you know, towards the end of the episode, like she's pissed off the people at hop sings this, Chinese place and then like it turns out that like that's where her boyfriend's dad and like all his buddies would like go to um like you know commiserate about the state of the country and like you got me blacklisted at Hop Sings? Yeah. She named names. <laughs> Very on the nose. Yes. Yeah, but um well, move on to our deep dive. Sure. Which sure. was uh, my pick, Master and Commander. Far Side of the World, directed by Peter Weir from 2003. Mm. Um, I guess I'll, a little synopsis, maybe. It's about a, a ship captain named Jack Aubrey and his best mate, uh, <laughs> Sir, Mr. Surgeon Man. I don't know what his name is. Uh, Paul, yeah. Played by Paul Bettany. Steven. Steve something. Yes. Steven yes. something. I just watched it this morning. I think I'd remember all this stuff. Uh yeah. And they're uh, they they have a ship, uh, British ship that they're charged with uh, taking control of a French privateer and killing the people and 
taking the ship and I guess destroying it. Maybe I don't even know what they're supposed to do with the ship, but does it take the treasure off of it? Things like that. And uh, the movie is about the ensemble of the people who are aboard the ship and their mission and the relationship between Dr. Surgeon and uh, Jack Aubrey, mm. Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. Yeah. So uh, what, this is uh, your guys first time seeing this movie. Yes. Mm-hmm. I saw this in the theater. Uh, so this is my first time seeing it in 15 years. Wow. Damn. Yeah. And I didn't remember much. I remembered like certain things like the conflict between him, like when he wanted to go to the Galapagos Islands and he promised him he'd have a couple of days and then he took back his promise. Mm. Like that's what I remembered for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) And the part where he gets shot chasing the bird. Yeah. I remember that. But I didn't remember if he lived or died. Like I couldn't remember what happened. So, Uh, yeah. What do you guys think of uh, Master and Commander, the far side of the world? I really liked it. Like, the best thing that I can compare it to would probably be, like, as far as, like, uh, you know, ships and, like, swashbuckling and pirates and all that. This, this, like, the saving Private Ryan of, like, that genre. Like, it was, was, like, all the, the stuff with the cannon fights was, like, whoa. Like, you don't, you don't see that very often. And, like, especially, you know, you compare it to, like, something with, like, Errol Flynn, like, Captain Blood or something like that. And, like, it grounds all of it really well. And, like, I really liked the um, the relationship between Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany. Um, when they're playing their music together, I thought all those scenes were really great. Um, yeah. Prop like... Easily my favorite of all the Peter Weir movies that I've seen. Okay. Yeah. Jonathan, thoughts? Uh, I can't think of any other movies that even come close to this uh, as far as, like, you know, yeah, swashbuckling and whatnot. I yeah. Mean, Pirates of the Caribbean. That's just a joke. But, I mean, like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Talk about grounded. This is, like... Yeah, this is, like, super grounded. Like... The, the, how the cannon, uh, the cannon fire, like just like shatters the wood and stuff. Like it's just yeah. crazy. Like how did no one get killed on these sets? If it, if it's even real, I don't know. Because like half the time, like some of the CG looked really, really good. Even yeah, fifteen years later. But yeah, sometimes it was a little, you know, a little spotty. But like, well, they did a lot of practical. I mean, they actually had a ship. Yeah, yeah, which is that helps. Yeah. Um, they apparently actually shot in stormy weather too. At one point, like he went off on a different ship and shot like the like a typhoon or something huh and they use some of that footage nice you can tell though because it, it looks great um yeah i liked it a lot um especially russell crowe like i i i was afraid he was going to be terrible but he was you know he was good he wasn't bad and uh was it paul bettany yeah yeah it sure was he's uh he's great um yeah yeah liked it a lot there's a helicopter shot like uh, towards the end of the movie where uh, it's just above like the main mast and like it's kind of in one part of the frame and then it just drops and like imagine like being on one of those ships and like just you know like something that huge that can just drop that fast you know just move from one side to the other so quickly like yeah pretty terrifying yeah like those guys must have had like steel stomachs <laughs> Well, uh, I liked it too. 
I don't know. I not as I, much as us. Apparently. Yeah, I don't think I liked it as much as you guys. Did. Really? Okay. On second viewing, I expected to come out of it with like I'm going to give this thing a five. I'd say I'm a, real quick. My only problem with it was like kind of the backtracking they did with like the Galapagos thing. Like, like they they left and then he got shot and then they went back. And then they're collecting the animals, and then they see the friendship, and then they leave. It's just like, it was kind of like, it, that was a bit much for me. I felt like it was dragging at yeah. that point. And the whole thing with the, uh, uh, I don't even know what his rank was, the officer who, like, didn't discipline the guy when he... Uh, Lieutenant Holland. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when like, that whole thing happens, and then the guy gets whipped, and then the other guy, like, thinks that he's cursed, and then he just kills himself. It's like... Okay, like I like the cursed thing though. I like that. Yeah, he I mean, he's cursed. That's that's pretty good. Yeah, it was, it was like good <laughs> on its own, but like it felt like that probably would have fit better in like the in like a director's cut. Yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, it just seemed to take away. Like the thing is on any anything where they're like, you know, there's a clear goal set at the beginning of the movie. Like you were just. Yeah. For me, I feel like as the audience, you're just waiting until you get there to the end of the journey. And like on on, you know, most good stories like it's the it's the journey, not the destination. But a movie like this, it's like, okay, you've set a goal and you're going towards it, but then like anything that like anytime you deviate from that one goal, I feel like it has to really be worth it. Especially with a movie, yeah, like you said, especially with a movie like this and you have, like, the wicked, like, shit battles. Yeah. I'm just waiting for the next shit battle. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm just like. <laughs> yeah, or, like, the next storm or. The next, the next commandering. You yeah. Know what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah. Captaining, as you call yeah. it. Last, last I figured you would have loved, like, the fact that, you know, you know, like, when they were taking away the walls and, like, you know. Is the shit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And then he has them, like, practice the cannon fire till they get it, like, to a minute or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> that was the shit. Yeah. But yeah, it, it it it's it, it could be cut a lot. A lot of this shit could be cut. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I liked it. Yeah, I thought the opening was really strong. Yeah. The first uh, battle, very very strong battle. Yeah. Very strong way to open a movie. Uh, I guess I would say that my biggest, probably my biggest issue with the movie is well, it's, it's like twofold. Mm-hmm. One is that it's got like it's got way too many like uh different things going on at any yeah. given moment like yeah, there's yeah. like 80 characters that you have to follow and i don't really care about any of the characters except the captain and the surgeon and i really don't even care about the captain i'm like uh, like paul bettany's character and his situation is the most interesting conflict yeah. in the movie to me like the yeah. idea that he's a naturalist and that's what he's interested in but he's stuck being a surgeon on this boat <laughs> yeah and, and like paul bettany fucking rules in this movie yeah, he's, good. he's great yeah, and I mean that would have been a better story too. Like they're they're exploring or whatever, and they get to the Galapagos, and you know, like yeah. That, then the French ship battle could have been the side story. You know what right. I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I mean that's uh, yeah. Because like, wasn't this like a mishmash of like a bunch of different novels? Or so something? yeah, so you it can says. definitely tell. Yeah, <laughs> but um, my my other biggest problem, sorry to say, is Russell Crowe. I don't. I did really not find I, him to be very I, good in this. I can uh, see like there were parts where it's like. Yes, this is the Russell Crowe that I want to see. And then there are other parts where it's like, really? I don't know. That- like, this is like two scenes away, and you're like, just... Yeah. Ugh. I was expecting the worst. I, I was don't expecting know that, just... I, I guess I would say that I don't know that there is a Russell Crowe I want to see. 
Like well, he's just yeah, he's just uh, unpleasant. I don't <laughs> I don't like his. And and this is in particular kind of like this is at a moment when he's his ego is going to be the biggest it's ever been because he's been he's won an Oscar he's been yeah. nominated right. two years in a row. So he's coming into this is like I am this movie. Like this movie doesn't get made without I am me, the yeah. captain. Yeah, and it's like the same thing as like <laughs> yeah. you would imagine like maybe Harrison Ford's ego when he made Mosquito Coast. Like I am the reason this movie exists. No one would make this movie if I didn't if I wasn't involved. And they're both absolutely right. But yeah. that doesn't make their performances great. And he's just I mean, it's not that his performance is like like shoddy or like, you know, uh amateurish or anything like that. I mean, he clearly mm-hmm. knows what he's doing, but I think it's a combination of his kind of like uh his like brazen attitude about everything. It gets really tiring for me. And it just and and the whole and then the writing of his character. So just like his little moments where he's like, you know, he, they're trying to build this rivalry between him and the French ship captain. And he's like, yeah. you've come up behind me twice now. There will not be a third time. And it's just like, I don't, I, that's really like lame. I really, I, don't, I, don't need that I really, there. really, really didn't like how like he could almost do no wrong. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. he's like God he's to everybody doing, on the ship. He, he's insane. Like the, the mutiny should have happened way before. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. His men definitely don't get discontented like hardly at all in the movie, which is strange because they're getting like the shit kicked out of them. Like the entire movie. they're yeah, ra- yeah. they're rounding the bottom of like South America and they're like freezing to death. And it's like no one's saying what the fuck we're doing. Like what are we doing? Like they'll, yeah. get, they'll get lashed if they do. <laughs> yeah, and somehow like there's always like extra rations of stuff. Yeah. Extra, ra- uh, that, that was, extra like, rations of rum. Shooting cannons. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like. Yeah, I get you know you're you you know obviously it's a long there were no di- long time long distance right. kind of thing yeah um, but I mean I like I like but I mean the things obviously it's not like a you know it's not a bad movie it's a good movie still mm. even with those problems yeah yeah I still really enjoyed watching it I the 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 beginning battle the end battle especially the end battle it's just yeah. there is incredible what what bothers me the most about that is that end battle is so violent and. It's so obvious that they cut this thing down to make get to get that PG thirteen rating. Like they fought to get that PG thirteen rating, uh, and yet it was still pretty violent. But that's not the issue. My issue is that like, why why would you be fighting to get that rating on this movie? Like, who is your audience for this movie? You think thirteen year olds are going to see this movie? Yeah, yeah. Like, who is interested in this? Middle aged men. Yeah. Like, there's literally no yeah. one else, and older guys. Yeah. Like old men who read these novels like yeah yeah and old ladies who read these novels like there's no there are no children waiting in line to see master and commander <laughs> the far side of the world yeah. like but, it's just like, like this maybe period like some, drama yeah like maybe like some rich kid who's in like a yachting club and he's like really into you know <laughs> like ships. sailing and, and stuff it and just like, seems like they could have if you make it r it just opens it up to being able to like mm. At least then you'd have a talking point. Wow, did you see Master and Commander? It's so fucking brutal at the end when they fucking are chopping people's arms off and fucking yeah. slitting people's throats and hammering people and hatcheting people. Because, I mean, they're doing some pretty brutal shit at the end. Yeah. But they're just kind of, like, cutting around it, shooting around it. Yeah. Yeah. No blood, really, you know. Every once in a while you see a squib for, like, a split second. And, yeah, you know, it's just, like... A lot of aftermath. Exactly. You yeah, can have yeah. all that in the film, and at least you'd have a talking point. Like whenever uh, Russell Crowe, whenever Russell Crowe enters the uh, 
the operating room or whatever uh, on the friendship. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, there's just blood everywhere. It's yeah, just, yeah. <laughs> I think it was on the walls behind him. Yeah, all the, like all of his sailors were, were drenched. All of his sol- sol- soldiers and sailors were drenched in blood too. Yeah, when you yeah, walk back yeah. into the room, but it's like, let's talk about that real quick. What's what? I must. I'm, I totally missed how Paul Bettany explained about the surgeon and the captain, and like they switched places somehow. Like the what guy was who that gave about? him the sword was the captain, right? But how does how does Paul Bettany know that? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, he said something about he, he, said, said, he said like, something about he died of a fever a month ago or something. Like, who did? And how would you know that? Like, He's been on a fucking ship in the Galapagos. Yeah. <laughs> well, like they, well, like they just took the ship. So, like, I imagine that like he got like the uh, the notes from the doctor. Oh, like, yeah. like he got like that from like the infirmary and, or like the captain's log or like you know ship log or whatever. So he found out that the surgeon was dead. Yeah, and then Russell Crowe immediately thinks, "Okay, that other guy must be the captain." Then, and then he tries, yeah, he's yeah. trying to escape. And that's the thing, turn too. the like, ship around. <laughs> yeah, eight month voyage. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like <laughs> by the time Paul Bettany like tells him this, like I think like maybe like at least a couple of days have gone by, or like maybe even a week. Maybe, yeah, maybe I don't know. Yeah. What'd you guys think of uh, the kid, Lord? What's his face? I hated he lost the, the arm. I hated the kid. Uh, get rid of anything them. with the children I, like why are they i mean i, I lose don't, the kids i don't care if it's show. historical yeah. or not why yeah. are they on the ship just get yeah. rid of them it's i don't want, right. I, yeah i agree it's just like it's very distracting <laughs> and i'm just every time they show them i'm just like i don't care about this kid like fuck this kid like when he when he got his arm chopped off i was like it's kind of kind of ballsy that they shot his arm it would have been ballsier if they just killed him you know what i mean uh, like like mercy killed him no, well, I mean, that, I'm saying they could have mercy i'm saying if they <laughs> killed the character the character would have just died right you know but like Again, when they cut his arm off, nothing. You know, yeah. you don't see, you see nothing, and it's just like this very gentle thing that takes like four seconds. Yeah, and it's like, give me a break. That would take like half an hour, and it'd be like he'd be screaming his fucking eyes out. You know, it's <laughs> yeah, just, yeah. yeah. He'd probably pass out. Exactly, which would be harder to watch and more grab. But it's just like I don't, you know, I don't need any of that in there. Just let him die. Like, who cares? Yeah. I don't care about this character. I don't care about his arc of like. I'm becoming a man, even though he's like 10, which it's just, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Take control of the ship. Thank you, sir. It's like, like, like Russell Crowe would put this kid in control of the ship. Yeah. <laughs> like, like what kind of like Steven Spielberg trash is this? <laughs> I found like it's that for was for the little 10 year olds that are going to see this movie. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we need, we need this thing to be PG 13 because kids are going to identify with Lord, blah, whatever blah, blah. his name is. Yeah. Lord Byron, huh? Lord <laughs> yeah. blonde, blonde hair. Yeah. It was funny, Lord Arian. Like, like all of like like the comedy in the movie. Pretty much every every comedic beat in this movie could have been followed by a wink <laughs> to the camera. I liked some of the jokes though. I liked the joke yeah, that yeah, he told when he was drunk, like about the weevils. Yes, the lesser yes. two weevils. The two weevils. <laughs> They're always laughing. Yeah, and him like when I was sharing the table yeah. with Lord with Lord Nelson, he leaned over. Could I trouble you for the salt? <laughs> it's very, very good stuff. I yeah, mean, yeah. But, uh, yeah, I agree. Some of the other comedic beats don't work as well. Yeah. Um, you what, know. About, what about the guy with the, the fist tattoos? Oh, hold fast. I like yeah. the first time they showed him, I was like, fuck yeah. Because yeah. he just goes like, <laughs> yeah. like yes. That is cool. Is I didn't mind like, it the first time. brain surgery. I like the brain surgery scene, too. Yeah, yeah. That ruled. Yeah. And, like how they made See, they took the coin. those little and put side it. things are okay because right. it's just little, like, Two minute scene, yeah, yeah, but yeah, you had these like there's like six different characters that just keep branching off, and it's just like, dude, what yeah. is going on? Yeah. 
Yeah, because like little things here and there, that's fine. But like when you go off on these like you know twenty thirty minute tangents within like a movie that's two plus hours. Yeah, yeah, it's two hours and eight minutes. Okay, so with ten solid minutes of end credits. Damn. Yeah, like it's insane. Wow. Like I was like looking at the time, I was like, this thing's still got eighteen minutes to go. Like, what are they going to do for eighteen minutes? The battle's over. They're about to go get the guy. Like, what is what is going to be this last 18 minutes? Then it ends eight minutes later. And I was like, oh, there's 10 solid. So this movie's not two hours and 18 minutes. It's two hours and eight minutes. It's fucking 10 <laughs> solid minutes of credits. Um, the violin stuff, I found that to be. I know you said you like those scenes. I don't mind those scenes with, like, when they're talking and stuff. Like, I like uh. the fact that they're, like, friends outside of the. And, like, how he's like, you know, am I talking to my friend or am I talking to the captain and stuff like that. But when they actually start playing the music, I found it very distracting. I was like, because I all, immediately when an actor starts playing music in a movie, immediately you're looking at their fingers. You're looking yeah, at their yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, are they playing that? And I've read that uh, Russell Crowe learned to play violin for this movie, but like I still didn't. I didn't, so, I didn't see it. It's so pretty. Like there's no way he's playing it that well. Like it's well. just play, being played so professionally. Yeah, and the part yeah, at the yeah. end where they're strumming the instrument, I was like, this is ridiculous. I, you know, I understand they're like into music and that's like how they bond. I don't yeah, know. It yeah. just really bought that, that. Those scenes really bothered me, but yeah. um, you know, I like the effects. I like the, uh, like you said, with the splintering of the wood and the, yeah, yeah. I like when they said, you know, we need to shoot everything at their mast and they end up like cutting the mask down with uh, the mast down with, cannon fire that was really cool that's pretty awesome yeah yeah and the just the like boarding party part where they're just like they all jump out jump over to the other ship and start stabbing people yeah to kick total ass yeah so yeah i now I, w- I would like to talk about the cinematography this won the oscar in 2004 for uh best cinematography uh-huh hmm. w- worthy right righteous or not i i'd probably say so i'm not sure what else came around in 2004 okay well it beat out no it came out in 2003 it won the 2004 oscar um it okay so this beat out other movies (laughs) such as (laughs) i only know one of them other movies when did that i haven't seen that one who directed it 2003 it was uh one of the movies was cold mountain that it beat out which personally I would say is the better shot film. Uh, Cold Mountain looks way better than this movie looks, in my opinion. I, I feel like this movie looks very utilitarian, though. It's like it's really, yeah, it's not really stylized at all. It just looks kind of I, timeless. Almost. I feel like this movie won. I'm sorry. I feel like this movie won the Oscar for cinematography because it shot the Galapagos Islands. Mm. Like I feel like the scenery won its its won it its Oscar. Huh. Like no, like the, I don't find the cinematography to be that interesting or like yeah. impressive at all. Like it's just, mm. it, I agree, it's shot utilitarianly. It's like shot like a like a movie. Yeah, like it's competent, but there's nothing special about it. Yeah, and it just feels like yeah, they went to the Galapagos Islands. They're apparently the first film to ever shoot the islands. Oh, wow. so it's like hmm. they got gave them the Oscar for cinematography, which makes no sense to me. It was nominated alongside City of God, which also I think looks better than this movie. Well, yeah, City of God, Cold Mountain. Girl with the Pearl Earring, which I haven't seen, and Sea Biscuit, which I haven't seen. Girl with the Pearl Earring is not that bad. Uh, I remember it looking pretty good. But City of God looks really fucking good. Come on. I mean, <laughs> haven't seen it in a while, but I haven't either. I remember it might it. look like shit. <laughs> in my head, it looks fucking in my amazing. In my mind, it looks amazing, too. And just like the fact that I remember it being a big deal. It was yeah. They developed that rig to shoot the chicken yeah. with at the beginning because they were like chasing the chicken around with a ah. thirty-five millimeter camera, and they had to like create a rig to do it. 
Goddamn. So, I mean, like, you know, that alone. Yeah. Innovation, you know. Yeah. But I think, I mean, to me, Cold Mountain looks beautiful. Like, does that's a very good-looking movie. I don't remember so much of the look of Cold Mountain. I remember Philip Seymour Hoffman. I used to could set my watch by my bowels. Yeah. <laughs> they cut in, they cut inside me now. What do you see? Little turds. Just stacked like stacked black twigs. <laughs> it's a great praise film. The, praise the Lord. The Israelites are leaving Egypt. <laughs> what's, what's wrong with him? He's got a shit coming and it's overdue. <laughs> great film. <laughs> I, saw it, I saw it four times in the theater. Um, wow. <laughs> you love Nicole Kidman. I love, I love Cold Mountain. It's okay. vastly underrated. Okay, it's an Who incredible film. Uh, Anthony Minghella. What is what is who's he done? dead? <laughs> he directed uh, Talented Mr. Ripley oh, and The English oh. Patient. Oh, oh, damn! Talented Mr. Ripley also a great underrated classic. Actually, yeah. it's probably much, actually is better than Cold Mountain, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I enjoyed this movie. I didn't love it. I thought I was going to love it, but I didn't. But I enjoyed it. Yeah. So ratings. Unless you guys have other things to talk about, I, I'm open. But I want to watch The Bounty again. With Ah, uh, The Bounty. See, I was trying to think of other movies that were like this in any way, and I really can't think. I couldn't think of any. I was like, there's yeah, no movie I mean, that is about like British like you know sailors or any kind of sailor in this time period. But yeah, The yeah. Bounty would be one kind of. Yeah, because I mean, like, really, I think. And, you know, Mutiny on the Bounty. It's yeah, hard yeah. To, it's hard to film these movies. You, gotta, you have to have the ships. Yeah. Yeah, I think like you got to go that, back tell to... Tell that to Gore Verbinski in Pirates of the Caribbean because he didn't oh. have any ships and he just <laughs> shot the CG as shit out of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think you got to go. You got to go all the way back to like the like thirties, forties, and fifties, like the Errol Flynn movies and like the Buccaneer with Yul Brenner and like um, to get back to like the um, just the lineage of these kind of swashbuckling movies. Uh, yeah, there really aren't, and all that kind of stuff. I like, agree. There really aren't uh, pirate films either. Like outside of no. Pirates of the Caribbean, yeah. Like yeah. name a pirate movie. I mean, the closest you probably come is uh, Captain Phillips. That's is not, that yeah, the, and that's not a pirate movie though. I mean, well, a, movie, I mean a movie about real, pirates, real pirates, so not it has pirate, pirates, and it has Captain. Not pirates <laughs> from now. Right, right, right. Pirates right, right. from Captain. Pirates from piratical times. Right. There's a movie called Pirates, directed by Roman Polanski. Which I have not seen. I don't think it's available to watch like anywhere. <laughs> what year is this? It's yeah. like eighty one or something. Yeah. Oh shit! I know. Uh, like William Goldman was working on a screenplay for a pirate movie that ha- was gonna. It was supposed to have like Sean Connery and 86. Roger Moore. Um, okay. S- send us in your pirate uh, movies. Right. Yeah. yeah. Send us a movie about we, pirates because uh, we can't find know. shit. And uh, and and pirates is pirates. This movie by Polanski is a adventure comedy film. <laughs> and it stars Walter Matthau as Blackbeard. Like, what? I mean, what a... G- like That's... Mm. Oh, I'm sorry. He's Captain Red. He looks like Blackbeard. Mm. It just looks really lame. I don't know. Like, I, yeah. I, want to, I want, like, a real pirate... Like, I was reading about pirates, you know, last... last um, it's been a long time ago now, but I remember reading, like, a Wikipedia page all about pirates. Yeah. And it's some brutal shit, man. Yeah, they they fuck yeah. people up. Like... Yeah. They're very evil characters, and I just love to see a movie about that. Yeah, I mean, they're not like nowadays. Jack Sparrow, who are like yeah. likable antiheroes. They're like rapists yeah. and thieves with like, CG yeah. and shit. Now, I mean, you could make something really solid. I mean, and yeah. it would look really great. But I would refuse to watch it. I want to see something that's made with period ships 
I'm with you. I, <laughs> yes, yes. I, yeah. Blow an actual fucking shit. A fucking yeah. You, know, you, you can build these. You, you can spend twenty twenty five million dollars on CG. You can build the shit for twenty million dollars. Come on. I think they said the <laughs> Shane ship. Carruth, get on this pirate movie. I think they said the ship in this movie. In, <laughs> it would be like ten thousand dollars just for the ship. <laughs> I think they said the ship in uh, in this movie, Master and Commander, was only like one point nine million or something to buy it. Wow. So I don't. I mean. Doesn't seem like that much money with a movie budget. I mean, if you have a hundred million dollars, oh, you know, yeah, yeah, should get like Tarantino to Home do Depot, it. He can do whatever he wants. Clean so. out a few Home Depots. Clean yeah. out a few Home Depots. <laughs> Build it yourself in your backyard. <laughs> yeah, DIY. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pirate films. Uh, definitely yeah. wanting wanting there to be a pirate. Did I tell you about my pirate board game idea? No, I didn't. Space pirates? No. Oh. It's like a card game. You know, I was talking about the Vietnam card yeah. game that I got. Okay, so I started creating pirates a, now? a pirate one. No, I just changed. I just did another one. It's okay, about pirates, and it's like the only. Okay, it's it's, it's for a map. It's a hundred percent done. Like it can be played. Okay, and I think it's really good. Is there a map? Is there a map? Yeah, like a map. Buried treasure. X marks the the spot. There is treasure. Is there a play map? Like play no, map? no, 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 no. Okay, there is a mat. But it's like you know in Magic where those mm. like these nerds get the mats and they like roll them out and they play Magic on top of them. Yeah, it's like <laughs> these that. Nerds. It's like that. Well, I don't have. A, I don't play on a mat <laughs> when I play Magic. But there's levels of nerddom. Okay. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, no, but it's okay. N- nothing against those people. I mean, I, I know some of them and they're they're fine people. But uh, in my game, there'd no be a, in my game there'd be a mat, but it'd be a, it'd be the ship that you're on. Oh, and all your characters like would be cards thing? that you put on the thing on the ship. Is that, like a Sims type thing? Just listen. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what that even means, how it's a Sims type thing. Like you're like, you're, you're maintaining the ship, you know, you have to, you know. That's part of it. Put people in certain areas. No, not in certain areas. Stations. No. Okay. They'd just be like a little, like, you just put the cards wherever. But I'm saying, but but and, but and part of it is maintaining the ship, yes. But, okay, the whole thing is, is done, right? Okay, I'm not going to explain it because it would take like two hours to explain it. But the the issue with it, okay, the reason it could never be made because I would love to like get a mock up of it going, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's the trouble with slavery. Is pirates used slaves? Oh yeah, right, a right. lot. Yeah, and I want that to be represented in the game because that's what it's true to history. But at the same time, it seems like trivializing the idea of slavery to have slaves as like in tokens game. in the game. Well, this is why you make like space pirates, or you make like, you know. Pirates on another planet. I like Pirates of Dark Water. <laughs> Pirates of Dark Water was good. You know what I mean? Or like, Pirates of the Caribbean, which I'm sure doesn't deal with slavery at all. Yeah, but you I'm just separate it from reality. I know, but I don't want to separate it yeah. from reality. Because yeah, I, I mean, want it to be that, like, that's what I love about the Vietnam game that I made, is that it's so, like, you know, yeah. I don't know. That's what, well, or, you're uh, trivializing you do, Vietnam. Um, <laughs> like in a, I agree with that. And that's what, another thing I thought about that. I was like, if I ever actually tried to, like, make this and, like, even just, like, sell it at Little Wars or something, like, I'll probably get, like, like blowback from old timers and who are, who are who are in Nam and who are like mad that I'm trying to make a game out of it, you know? Like I agree with that. Like that is that's it's offensive, I, but at the same yeah. time, it's like I still think it's a cool idea for a game and it'd be fun to play. I don't know. There were slaves in Master and Commander, or were, I mean, uh, they were no, they were, didn't. They were African. There were African Americans or Africans, uh, yeah. not, not African Americans, uh, but there were black people in, on the ship. But they never yeah, said yeah. they were slaves. I mean, they were they serving. Cer- they certainly didn't seem like they were slaves. Really. I mean, they were just hanging out with everybody. Like, they, yeah, yeah. I just felt like the movie was afraid to like go that direction. Obviously, but they still kind of went in that direction. Well, they're not going to talk. Yeah, of, yeah. They're not going to have their hero <laughs> be a slave owner. Yeah. Well, uh, like in a uh, Captain Blood with uh, Errol Flynn, like, um, 
the premise of the movie is that Captain Blood is a surgeon and he ends up, I forget which, it's like takes place during the English Civil War and he ends up treating somebody who's on the wrong side and he gets found guilty of blah, blah, blah and he gets sent to a penal colony in the Caribbean and basically he's slave labor, so... Doesn't he lead a revolt of the slaves or yeah, something? He does. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a little different. That'd be a good movie. <laughs> well, a good I movie, mean, though. You know, just options. it is a movie. No, I mean, like, go a, watch a, it right no, now. No, no, like a good idea for a movie would be like, like a slave that gets picked up by pirates and has to like endure all the harsh realities of that. I don't know. Yeah, okay. interesting. Yeah, yeah. You could watch uh, like a slave who becomes the Dread Pirate Roberts. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Right. Right. You could watch uh, what's that movie about slaves? Uh, who killed the people? Yeah, Amistad. It's oh, on, it's yeah, on a yeah, ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Matthew McConaughey's on it. Um, yeah. Well, ratings for this movie before we get like way off topic. <laughs> I'm going to say four point two five. All right, I'm going three point seven five. I'm going three and a half. Um, all right. Well, uh, we are. We have no feedback. I thought we were going to have some feedback prior to this episode. Uh, Guys, send us recorded. some feedback. Yes. give us something to talk about. Email us at feedback at filmiacpodcast. Tell me how wrong I am about Ladybird. Right. Yeah. Feel free to argue with us. Yeah. Um, go to our website at filmiacpodcast.com. Uh, you know, you can Facebook message our page, I'm pretty sure. Uh, yeah. All sorts of different ways to get in touch with us. And, of course, I mean, the, the feedback that I thought I was going to get was going to come from my friend Park, who texted me or messaged me on Facebook, told me he had a question. And they won't respond to my texts all day. So, thanks for nothing, Park. Florida Project sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I really like that movie. But um, <laughs> he's, like, obsessed with it. Uh, anyway, write into us. Visit our website next week on the show. Uh, I probably will not be here. Okay. okay so, this is, the conne- this is the problem here. Oh, here's the um, problem. You're not going to be here. Pot probably. And it's my choice. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh. So, I'm I, I'm I'm going to suggest that we just take a week off. Okay. Because we're not doing last days without John here. Okay. He has to be here. <laughs> there's there's not that. another movie you can pick. No, because C- Cobain died like, like uh, I think yesterday. Yes, no, it's the fifth. I think we what have to we today? we <laughs> have to do last days. That's true. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it was yesterday. It's April. Uh, in fact. Yeah, Sunday will be the anniversary of his body being found. Ah. And also Jonathan's birthday. Happy birthday. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> well. We have to do last days. I've been dying to watch this movie. Um, okay. Rewatch. Rewatch. This uh, movie. Yeah, well, we'll take a week off, and that sounds fine. Is that okay, Kevin? Yeah, sure. You sure? Yeah. I mean, you can do something. You want to just talk you to yourself? You want to do yourself? one by yourself? Uh... <laughs> Somebody. This wanna... is Kevin, and we're going to talk about Monty Python all day today. <laughs> Hey, why not? Uh, I mean, one of you guys would have to bring your laptops. I don't have the recording. Oh, oh. well, we're going to skip a week then. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know what's going to happen. We're going to need a lot of time, too, because I would like all three of us to watch the trilogy. Sure. Okay. That's fine. So, I, I honestly feel like we should. I honestly feel like, well, let's just say that then. Let's say that the next episode will be two weeks from now. Okay. It'll be the trilogy. Okay. To, okay, ass, yeah. Assuming that I can do that, because yeah. I don't know, because my 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 daughter's going to be born next week sometime. Well, you're off for another <laughs> right. like three days, and she's not born Fuck. yet. And, oh my god, my ears. Two two <laughs> days actually. 
So you got two days. Yeah, to watch to three movies. Three, three, three <laughs> no, I can watch them. I mean, she's not going to be. She's not supposed to be born till next Friday, but okay. okay, it just depends. Um, what happens, and you know, I, uh, you know, it might it might be that I don't have to take any time off. But I mean, if I do, I don't want to. You know, I don't want the show to go into like into like you know languid uh, disuse. You know, I want the show to continue even if I have to take an episode or two yeah, off. Right. So because mm-hmm. I don't want people to get to forget about. <laughs> yeah, which they might. Um, anyway. That's our show. Thanks for listening. Feedback at filmiacpodcast.com, filmiacpodcast.com. Visit our blog. Visit our page on Facebook. Rate us on iTunes. Do whatever you can to help us out, please. Next episode will be possibly two weeks from now. Possibly Bring Gus money. Van Sant's The Death Trilogy, <laughs> uh, which is Jerry, Elephant, and Last Days. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm Jack. <laughs> Uh, jacked. Jerry is in my top ten of all time. So, yeah. what number? Uh, eight. Might be eight or nine. Seven or eight. Damn, something like that. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it's up there. It's still it's in the top ten. That's pretty high up, right? Yeah. I got the top tens right here somewhere. Let's see. Where's that? Where's the blog for the Baton Rouge Film Club? <laughs> Uh, that's mean (laughs) number. It's actually number nine, just behind days of heaven, just before last temptation of Christ. Damn. It's very eclectic top 10. And then, uh, rules of attraction at number seven. (laughs) That's fucking awesome. (laughs) You just like bring that up every once in a while and just look at your list. I'm awesome. Yeah. I'm so, I'm so fucking cool. <laughs> anyway. Uh, uh well, yeah, that's it. Anything else? Uh I I would like at some point hopefully to see Death of Stalin and Isle of Dogs in the theater. Do it. Isle of Dogs ho- is releasing wide on Friday. Somebody oh, thank th- God. Next, somebody, next Friday. A, somebody has to bite the bullet and go see Ready Player Someone has to see. I this. think uh, he who smells at Delta. Go ahead, you're yeah, doing it. I'm probably going to see it. Okay, do it. You All know, right. Rustin will go see that with you in a heartbeat. Yeah, and Allison too, probably. No, she's not into it. Really, not no. at all. No, even like the nostalgia huh. stuff, no. like the Back to the Future stuff. Tell her the Back to the Future car is in it. She like she might like that. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I was like, I think there's Gundams in it. And she's like, I that makes me not want to see. It. <laughs> I don't think there's Gundams in it. I think there is. You read that? There's a Gundam. Me? Yeah, at like one point, a Gundam. Yeah. yeah. Big Iron Giant or whatever it's yeah, called. Yeah, Iron Giant. Yeah. It's in that. And uh, Freddy Krueger. Yeah. God. It looks like a total train wreck it of does. fuck. But, yeah. you know, <laughs> if you go see it, let me know. Maybe I'll go see it again. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be fun to talk back and forth about it. Maybe I'll like it, you know. Like right. when we saw, like when we all saw um, Batman versus Superman and I was like the lone defender of it because it's not that bad. Yeah, me and Russell were just like, this is a fucking piece of shit, dude. Like, this was, this was just not good. Like, I, I was like, hate it, hate it, hate it. And then you're like, I liked it. <laughs> you're like, complete, like... <laughs> trolling. Yeah. No, I'm not trolling. I did like it. That <laughs> <laughs> was fine. It's much better than any Marvel movie I've ever seen. Batman versus Superman Dawn of Justice is the one of the best superhero movies ever made. I did like the dystopian future. I'm not going to lie. That scene I, was okay. I like that. I don't know. That was like pretty cool. I liked it when <laughs> Superman was like annihilating guys with his vision. Yeah. He was just melting guys down who were like chained to the wall or whatever. That was pretty, that was pretty sweet. 
and how uh, Batman had a gun. Yeah, that was awesome too. You still see that a lot. You put that in your top ten? Might be. Might be <laughs> going up there. I think I gave it a three and a half. So let's, let's <laughs> settle down, okay? <laughs> no, I just didn't feel like it was as you know. I felt I heard that it was like just atrociously bad, and I I don't know. I thought it was a lot of fun, and uh, Wonder Woman ruled in it. Like when she showed up, I was like, that probably that probably bumped it up a whole star for me. I really enjoyed her in it. Just like her, like. Did you see Wonder Woman? No, I wanted to, but then you know, all I've heard is just like it's just super negative. And the people who do like it, like I really don't respect their opinions. So it's just like I don't know. That I want to see it. I'm afraid to like it and agree with them. You know. <laughs> Can't give him the satisfaction. Exactly. I would be shocked if you liked it. I really would be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Batman versus Superman is one thing. That's this is another level. Yeah, like, I don't, I don't know. Much more successful than Batman versus Superman, well, which means it's got to be worse. That's not hard. It's got to be worse. If it had Jesse Eisenberg, it would have been better. Right. If Lex Luthor time traveled to World War One, could have made a decent movie. Yeah. All right, uh, that's going to do it. See you guys later. Thanks for listening. So good night, boys. Good night. To say, hold on a clipper that's bound for South Australia. The weather's warm there, the natives dark new by. If you listen quiet, you can hear the footsteps on the cross trees. The ghosts of sailors pass their spectral bodies clinging to the shroud. Good night.